website kirstiekraus.com for amazing uh, music and concerts. She's a great musician. Follow her music. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Chit and Chat, the Encouraging One Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Jody Sheffield, and I'm so glad to have you back for another fun, exciting episode. My guest today is a person that came across TikTok. He's a teacher entering his fourth year and teaches sixth grade ancient history. He was raised in a small town in eastern Washington, transplanted to the big city where he met his wife and been married for seven years. He has a mere 121 followers and shares amazing content. He's always encouraging others, especially his students. He's also a podcaster, and he has amazing tips and tricks on keeping your beard nice and fluffy. He's got a big old beard. My honor today to have on Mr. Brett Colley on the Chit Chat, Encouraging One Hour Podcast. Well, hey, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Happy Friday. I need a little introduction. Uh, this lady gentleman is Mr. Brett Colley, as a, a fellow historian. I see him all the time on TikTok, big influencer, always encouraging others. We finally connected. We finally did it. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, before we dive into some great conversations, I like to pick my brain, uh, my brain, your brain, with questions, icebreaker questions. Uh, I like to ask five. People ask me one. Uh, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Tiza. They're a taco shop here in the area. Five kinds of tacos, so why not? You like tacos? Hey, I love tacos. Uh, question number one. If you could be any sitcom, which one would you be on and why? Ooh, any sitcom. Uh, God, there's so many good ones. It's got to be an old one for me, though. Um, man, I could go back and say Frasier. I could say Friends. There's just so many. I think I'd have to choose friends, though, honestly. Okay. Um, just because of the antics. The antics that are caused on that show are <laughs> monumental. And I'm a big fan of shenanigans. So, for me, that that takes the cake. I don't think a show has run that long in quite a while. No, no. Nothing since Friends, I think, has really ran that long. My, my sister-in-law and my, my daughter listen to this. They're big, big friends, uh, fanatics. They watch all the time. I sucked in Friends trivia. <laughs> That's I, I all right. We'll pivot. forgive you, Jody. I got the pivot. I knew a lot of furniture. So I hear pivot. I had to look it up. I understand why pivot is a good thing. <laughs> if you could be an expert instantly in something, what would it be and why? An expert in finding where all the fish are hiding. Um, Fisherman? I am a fisherman, and my wife gives me so much grief because there's been multiple times that I've gone out and I come home empty-handed. I've been skunked. (laughs) I'll admit it. I get skunked (laughs) a lot. Um, But yeah, it would have to be where the fish are and what they're they're feeding on in that exact moment and just reach into my bag and go, "Uh uh-huh. You're born on the eastern... Say that again. Where, where were you born at? Yeah, Eastern Washington. I was born over just outside of the Twin Cities. Oh yeah, did a lot of steelhead fishing, a lot of walleye fishing, uh, a lot of catfish and sturgeon fishing on the Columbia River. Oh yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Arkansas. Is bram, crappie, and bass with minnows. That's about it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, bram is. I, you know, my brother lives down in Alabama, and he uh, he tells me bram's pretty darn good. I'm like, all right. I mean, I did catch like a ten. Like a ten-year-old wow. kid scared, scared me to death. It was by accident. I ran to my grandparents crying. I caught this turtle. Oh, jeez! 
<laughs> it was a big turtle. You gotta uh, love when they get on that line. It's like oh, I got some. Oh, that's a turtle. Okay, I'm done. Yeah, you should be on this line. Yeah. <laughs> if I can say you and your wife, which is her, what's her name? Her name's Shannon. Shannon. All right. Saying so you and Shannon on a two occasion anywhere in the world. Where are you going and why? All right. Well, if I'm answering that question, we're going to Spain. Ooh, um, I'm a fluent Spanish speaker, the only one in my family, and I have never been to a Spanish speaking country, which is really dumb. Um, <laughs> my dad and who doesn't speak a lick of Spanish, he lived there for six months, uh, not in Spain, sorry, but in Mexico for six months. And my brother, who's lost all of his conversational Spanish over the years because he never really practiced it or kept it up. Um, he's lived in both Mexico and Spain. Mm-hmm. Uh, if my wife is answering that question, we're going to Bora Bora and we're getting one of those huts over the water. Oh, yeah. um, which I'm also down with. I mean, what else is going to be better than waking up to the sunrise, sitting on the water and looking down, going, I'm going to go for a quick swim and then just crawl right back in. I'm like, all right, nap time. <laughs> we'll compromise. We'll give you a week in Spain and a week her, with you, her with you and Bora Bora. How's that work? I, I think both of us would be okay with that. Sounds good. Uh, what jingle gets stuck in your head the most frequent, you know, during the week or the month? my head okay so since i'm a teacher this is one of the big ones i always have goldfish um so the snack that smiles back is one that gets stuck in my head a lot um the best part of waking up is folders in your cup because i'm a caffeine addict hey Uh, my brother hey hey, (laughs) my students have learned uh if i don't have coffee in my cup they better keep their questions to a minimum uh Uh, what's another one? Is it well? Of course, the new TikTok one that's out that's been removed, I guess, but it's the corn one. Okay, that's been. I don't know if you've heard that sound. I haven't. Um, oh my I lord! I have. Think about it. It's a it's a young kid who's that was like, what do you like about you know what's your favorite thing? It's got to be corn. It's a big lump of knobs. It's got the juice, <laughs> and that gets stuck in my head. And I'll walk around and I'll be humming it. My wife's like, stop it! I'm like, I'm sorry. Mine's uh, cars for kids. Oh my that thing. <laughs> See, that's why I stopped listening to the radio. Oh my lord, that thing is all over Washington State. Oh my god. I know it's a great cause, but my goodness, it gets stuck in your head and just won't go away. Yeah, every morning on my way to work, I normally listen to uh 710 radio. Um, yep. I don't know how many listeners you have outside of Washington State. So that's uh if that's ESPN radio out here, and I'm right. a huge sports nut. And but that 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 stupid jingle comes on like every third commercial and there are time i get stuck in traffic and i i get to three commercials i'm like <laughs> i can't with this jingle anymore uh the greatest image in the world for me is napster because i can throw it on no commercial no playlist you know my own jukebox so there you go plug for napster i love that my own songs <laughs> there you go there you go and last question is what are your top three favorite songs to rock out to Oh, this is a dangerous question. <laughs> we have plenty of time. All right, let's see. So, top three favorite, definitely. Uh... Okay, Long View by Green Day. Okay. Oh man, it's a tie between Master of Puppets and The Unforgiven by Metallica. 
And there's a new song out there. Now I gotta look up his name because it's bugging me. Um, but it's on one of my playlists. So give me just one second to find it. And uh, it's a country song that I just absolutely love. And it's gonna bug me. But it's on like eight of my different playlists that I have on my Apple Music. <laughs> and is that your PC version for school? <laughs> Uh no, believe it or not. Um I don't play this one at school. Oh, why is this this is gonna kill me? Okay, there's this town. Holler Boys. It's by Upchurch. Upchurch. Okay, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, there's a word at the very beginning that if you're not reading the lyrics at the very beginning, you think he uses a bad word. He doesn't. It's just he's got a very big country draw. So yeah. every time I've heard a song, I'm like, that's a it's like, oh, listen to the look, read the lyrics, honey. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, my bad. I hear I'm getting old. <laughs> I hear, yeah, oops, that's not the word I thought it was. Good thing. Uh, for my listeners out there, give us a little brief bio on who Brett Colley is. Well, let's see. I'm an absolute nut job. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm a 38 year old uh middle school history teacher. Um, this is my fourth year teaching. I was born and raised in eastern Washington, a small little farming community just outside of the Tri Cities. Um, it's a small little town not anybody has ever heard of. Uh, you blink, you miss it on your way from Tri-Cities to Spokane. Uh, I graduated high school there, and I swore that was the last time I'd ever want to be there. Oh, you know, as a kid growing up in a small town, you're just done. <laughs> um, started school, decided school wasn't for me. Went the retail route for about 14 and a half, close to 15 years, uh, between selling cars, cell phones, motorcycles working for microsoft in the retail division for four and a half years um and then finally decided you know met my wife and we were tired of not having the same schedules um and a job opened up in the education field that just happened to be at the school that she was teaching at as a paraeducator mm-hmm. so I, I went in there back into the education field working with amazing students and it was at that point i'm like all right all right it's time for me to finish my degree. So I went back, finished my degree, uh, became a teacher. Um, let's see, what else am I missing? Uh, played football for four and a half years in high school till or junior high and high school. Blew out both of my knees mm. um, my sophomore year. Um, coincidentally enough, playing baseball because that was my sport of choice because that's what I thought I was going to leave the town playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's come back and bit me in the rear end. This my arthritis is so bad now. I have to use a wheelchair for any long distance uh, walking or movement, just because mm-hmm. the you know you start losing feeling in your legs after a while, and the swelling and the pain. I'm like, I can't deal with this anymore. Yeah, but I, I love to fish, man. You know, country boy at heart, living out here in the city, just outside of Seattle. And I keep joking with my wife. Uh, found my bio- I'm adopted. Found my biological family seven years ago. Oh, wow. uh, they they live ten miles from where I grew up. Wow. Um, my the oldest of my no sorry the youngest of my older brothers. I have two older brothers in the biological family. He and I are actually 17 months apart, and we've played football and baseball against each other growing up, and we had no clue. No way! Oh my yeah, goodness! Zero clue. Same um so now that you know i got my family back over there and then of course all these family friends that i had growing up also know my biological family so we're at like 
cookouts over the summer over there and people are coming up they're like oh my gosh aren't you so-and-so's kid i'm like well yeah why are you here i'm like well because technically these are my grandparents and they're like holy snikes i I know right it's 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 a small world so we keep going back there and i keep looking at my wife i'm like look how pretty it is out here you don't have the light pollution you don't have the traffic you don't have the stupid people uh who try to ruin everything that's going on yeah out here you just get dumb redneck hillbillies they're easy enough to avoid because you know (laughs) there's a lot of space that you can get away from them out there uh it's just too funny and i want to go back but she doesn't so brief about me i'm uh, just to end it summarize it real quick i'm a country boy at heart i live out here in the big city kids laugh at me because they'll be i'll be listening to country in the classroom like what is this (laughs) (laughs) it's called good music kids uh seeing you on tiktok i'll I'll get off back to my questions you on tiktok and just following you and you're always encouraging people I did not think you'd be a country boy. <laughs> oh man, it's so fun. I'm I am to the moon country boy, right? Drive a big old F one fifty pickup truck that I've lifted. Love to fish. Got cowboy boots, but I can't find the uh the cowboy boot remover, so I don't wear them as often because Lord knows you can't get cowboy boots with, off without that thing. Right, right. Um <laughs> Yeah, I was born and raised in Arkansas. I moved up yeah. here around nineteen uh see ninety three. 391 uh my wife here and never left <laughs> yeah that 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 tends to happen so washington has that pull on people i guess yeah well i was like it's too hot in our- too many mosquitoes yeah bugs, so i do miss lightning bugs i lived out in connecticut for about a year and they have a ton of lightning bugs out there and I, that was the coolest thing ever to watch them i'd be getting home from work in the middle of the night and the lightning bugs were just all around our property. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I, I'm still going to shock your adopted story. That's amazing. It reminds me of a movie coming out. Uh, I'm still off kilter, but uh, Mark, I believe, uh, the, the guys who did uh, Facing the Giants and Courageous, they're making a movie very similar to your story. You just shared. I kid you not. A guy gets adopted and wants to find his parents or something like that. And it's a, looks really interesting. My wife wants to go see it. So it's a little plug movie. What was the name of it again? I missed it's that. A life mark, I believe. Okay, right. it's the same. Rages, facing the giants, and fireproof. The same. Uh, I'm drawing a, uh, I'm drawing a blank with the with the. It's like a church who does these movies. It's amazing. I'll have to give that a shot. That I mean, courageous was a good movie. So, uh, when growing up, did you did someone encourage you to be a teacher, or just kind of use? Oh, I'll be a teacher. No, you know, I grew up, my father was a high school English teacher uh, where we grew up, and he actually ended up teaching for a total of 43 years between two different schools. Um, He was actually, this is how small my town was, he was actually my senior English teacher, Um, which sucked because day one, hey, what do I call you? Like, Mr. Colley, do I call you? Hey, old man, pops, yo, what's up? You know, what do I call you? He just stared at me. I'm like, I guess I probably should have asked that at (laughs) Should have probably asked that at home before we came to school this morning, huh? Um, but he was a teacher for 43 years total. My brother taught for 10 years before becoming a lawyer. Um, and education for me has been something that I've always really enjoyed. You know, I taught swimming lessons growing up as a kid. So I was always working with people, helping them get better at something that they always wanted to do. Um, being bilingual early enough in my career, 
um, in high school because I started learning Spanish at a very young age because my adopted brother is seven years older than me. Mm-hmm. So when he hit high school and started taking Spanish, he actually started teaching me at home. Wow. And we grew up in an area that was predominantly Latino. Over 70% of my town was uh, of Latin culture um, because we had a lot of migrant families coming out to work on the farms. And so a lot of monolingual kids coming through my school at the start. So having that ability, I was able to sit down and help kids a lot more uh, than I think they were expecting to come into a school, like a country school, and then expect this, you know, really big old white boy to come up and start speaking Spanish to him. It really threw him off. But um, <laughs> being able to help teach them really, it's always kind of been in my blood. And when I met my wife now, um, it just kind of rekindled my passion for wanting to get back into teaching just because I missed it. I really did. Retail was burning me out and I hadn't had anything substantial career wise in my life for a while. So it was like, I got to get back into teaching because that's where my passion is at. I teach right now ancient civilizations. So we start all the way back. We start talking about how the earliest humans, um, our earliest ancestors have been dated back about 8 million years. Um, And then we start talking about um, words are escaping me right now. Sorry. Uh, It's been a long week. We start talking about like Mesopotamia, which is the first civilization ever recorded back in um, modern day Iraq between the Euphrates and the Tigris rivers. Mm -hmm. And then we go all the way through. um, We do Egypt. We do ancient China before it combined when it was actually two separate entities. We do Imperial China, Imperial Japan, Rome, Greece, Mesoamerica, and Western West Africa. That's amazing. And you coached for a while too, right? Yeah, I coached football for three years. And then this year my knees got bad enough that I had to take a step back. So What's I'm gonna like be focused. Encouraging uh, student athletes, you know, because you you gotta keep your grades up to play sports. Is that a challenge? Was that a challenge for students these days, or pretty easy for some students? You know, for the majority of the students that I worked with, it was very easy um, to stay on top of things. But then, of course, you know, this day and age, we have a lot of single parent households where the older siblings need to take care of the younger siblings when they get home from work. A lot of latchkey kids. And um, that would cause some of my my other players to fall behind uh, just simply because it was constant. They'd have to get home from football practice, make dinner for the kids, help the other kids with their homework and everything else. So it was, it was a different balancing act for some of my kids, but we offered, you know, I always offered like, if you need help with tutoring, you know, I'm pretty smart in English, definitely love history. And if you need help with anything else, let me know. Mm-hmm. So coaches would help tutor the kids who were falling behind to help them get caught up. I bet you on TikTok come across some of your videos, a lot of yes, sir. encouraging videos. Uh, I love the clips you do in class, especially when you caught it. By eating a Kit Kat wrong, how that was, how dare I? That was so much fun. (laughs) That that one right there, like it literally concerned my teacher next door because of all the screaming. She came in and I just held up the Kit Kat bit wrong, and she goes, "You are an evil human being," and walked out of my room. (laughs) So that was one of my fun ones. I, I I enjoy really getting the kids livened up and having fun with the kids because that's what education is about. If you're not having fun, you're not learning. If you're just sitting in the classroom here and someone doing the old Ben Stiller from or Ben Stein from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, like <laughs> Bueller, 
beautiful. They're not going to learn. So my new sixth grade class that just came in this year, like we just finished day three and they're like, you have so much energy. I'm like, thank you. Coffee and rockstar. <laughs> I saw you had a followers. You must be doing something right. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you right now, Jody, it all started uh, last year, April fool's day. Uh, the video <laughs> that I posted it, right. What a day to say that your account blew up. I posted a video where the day before um, first period, I had a teacher come in my room. They were talking to me about a student that I had later in the day, a concern that they had that we were trying to solve. So I told my students to talk amongst themselves, right? Let me have this private conversation with this teacher, but talk so you can't hear us talking. And so we were discussing, trying to figure it out. And then when I was done, I knew I just had this feeling in my bones that something was going to happen. So I pushed record on my phone. And I just jokingly said, at what point does talking amongst yourselves mean turn into a whole bunch of uncaged zoo animals who just got free? <laughs> yeah. And then one kid without missing a beat. <laughs> and just killed me. Just absolutely killed me. So I post that video April Fool's morning when I got to work. Now, I don't have the best reception in my classroom. So I can't check TikTok through the day. And I don't really check TikTok through the day anyway. So when I get off of work that I look, when I get home, I start pulling everything up. Uh, at the end of the day, I have to go down to the office. I have to talk to a counselor and my principal about an incident that happened in my classroom, making sure that we were all on the same page on how to, you know, better help the child moving right. forward. And so I left my cell phone. I thought I was only going to be down there for 10 minutes. So I left my cell phone up in my room and I get back to my room half hour later and I have three missed phone calls on my work phone two or three missed phone calls on my cell phone, plus a few text messages. And they're all from my wife. <laughs> now we have this thing where if you call, hang up and call right back, that means there's an emergency. Mm -hmm. So of course I see all these missed calls. I'm like, who died? Oh my God. Who, who's in trouble? Who died? Who's in the hospital? <laughs> so I call my wife back frantically. What's going on? Is everything okay? Like just panic. And she goes, have you checked your TikTok lately? And I'm like, no, you know, I can't check my TikTok when I'm at work. What are you talking about? And she goes, your video that you posted this morning is at like 260,000 views or some just astronomical number that I've never <laughs> seen in my entire TikTok career. And I'm like, whatever. I'm like, it's April Fool's. You're calling to like just absolutely butter me up. Right. whatever i'm not gonna listen to you i'll just give you credence and then you know when i get to my my car and i check my tiktok and i see you're lying to me i'm gonna call you back and be like that was the meanest april fool's joke you've ever played on me <laughs> i started the day with 3.8 thousand followers when i got to my car i opened up my phone the video was over 260,000 views I was over 12,000 followers. <laughs> no, no, hold on. It was a lot more than that. I was probably actually closer to 18 or 19,000 followers by the time I got. So in eight hours, I'm already up, what? 15 grand? Six, 15, 16,000 <laughs> followers. And I'm just sitting there, and my wife and I, she texts it to her mother-in-law, or my mother-in-law, who's on TikTok, and her sister, who 
is on my TikTok and they <laughs> they support me, which is awesome. I love the uh, they're amazing people. And we're we're now on TikTok watch. You know, oh, you're at 400,000 views. You're at 600,000 views. You're at 900,000. Are we going to hit a million views today? <laughs> and we hit a million views in I think just I think it took about 37 hours wow. for that video to hit a million views. And in the course of 30 days, I went from 3.8 thousand to like 119,000. That's amazing. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is going on? Now, if you look at any of the videos that I posted in the last few months, I'm barely cresting a thousand views, you know, because TikTok and its algorithms like to mess with oh, yeah. creators who at one point blew up. But I'll keep posting because I like it and I love having fun. So yeah, it's, it's hilarious. I, maybe two years ago, just encouraging videos. I did a couple of lip syncing ones. I'm like, doing anything stupid to myself. And, you know, my wife wants to give me something, doing something stupid. I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm going to go a hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah, uh, so I do a lot of encouraging stuff. Occasionally I do duets. I love what you do. I had Shane Lakita on. He does amazing stuff as well. He is an encourager. The master of encouragement. <laughs> nice. And so, yeah, I just, yeah, I love watching you. Um, when did you start using the catchphrase greetings historians? Oh man. Um, that's something I had said to my students quite a bit. Like when they, cause when we start the academic process, so the first week maybe of back to school is not academic. It's nuts and bolts. It's getting the kids used to their schedules and moving around. And then when we hit academics, I tell the kids, hey, you have graduated from students. Now you're geographers, right? You're geologists. We're, we're, we're learning how to read a map. And then we move forward. Now we're archaeologists because now we're talking about digging things. And now you're historians because we've gotten to the first written history. And so from that point on, every time they come in, I go, greetings, historians, and welcome to another fun day in history. That's really and I started realizing, yo, I got to turn that into a catch because I say it all the time anyway in class. So when I do a lot of my videos, I should be saying that because that's what the kids are hearing every day. And I need to stay true to the person that I am because the person that you know, people see on TikTok. Uh, that's the exact same person that if we were to sit down and grab a beverage or go, you know, hang out somewhere, that's the same person you're going to get. There's mm -hmm. no difference. I'm that upbeat, funny, sarcastic person, sometimes too sarcastic according to my wife, but what does she know? Um, yeah, I think wives will tell us, most husbands, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She goes, you need to turn it down a little bit. I'm like, turn what down? Me? <laughs> It's the coffee, honey. <laughs> yeah, it's all that caffeine coursing through my face. <laughs> no, and so I think, uh, you know, when I realized that about two or three weeks into last year, uh, I realized I needed to start doing that. And that that's what kept it going. And then I'm like, I got to make merch. You know, it's it's everybody who has that catch, their catchphrase. They got to make that merch for that catchphrase. And I'm like, all right, greetings, historians, it is. And it's stuck. And you know, one of my old uh, baseball coaching buddies, he like you talk about smart asses. He's well above me on that list. He's well experienced. <laughs> he he gets on and he'll like shoot me messages 
uh, leave comments on my page. He's super fanboys. As soon as I dropped my first set of merch, he went out, bought the t-shirt, bought the hoodie, and bought a sticker. And he's also the commissioner of our fantasy football league. And so I got on to do our rookie draft last night because we're in a dynasty league. So it was rookie draft last night. And I finally got on a little late and I just see his message. Oh my God, are you that guy from TikTok? (laughs) And he just blows it so far out of proportion that I die of laughter every time because this is the funniest thing ever. Um, Yeah, so greetings, historian. Sorry to really get back. It's happened about two to three weeks in uh, to the last school year. Uh, What do you love most about being a teacher? Man, watch this is an easy one for me. Watching kids as they learn something new and they have that aha moment and that light bulb clicks and they're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, you talk like you talk about Ramses the second, okay, one of the most well known pharaohs of all time in Egypt, because number one, how long he reigned for over 80 years, which is the longest lifespan that you saw at that time frame. Uh, he died at the age of 96, and he had over 200 wives and concubines and people stop when i say that and kids look at me and they're like i'm sorry what (laughs) and i'm like yeah ramsey's the second was a player (laughs) um and just seeing like moments like that where you get to teach some obscure fact about somebody or something and watch them light up as they're like, Oh my gosh, this is something I can remember. And the joy of learning that piece because history is tough. Mm-hmm. History is one of those subjects that you either get the over the top teacher or the really boring monotone teacher. And I'm like, let's be over the top. Cause I love history that much. And so that for me is when they hit that and they, they get that moment of just pure joy because it's something they can understand and it's new knowledge to them. That, to me, I don't, I don't care how bad of a day I'm having. When I see a kid go through that, I'm sold. Even if it's one out of the 130 I see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's perfect for me. Kids throughout the year, now you just started a brand new year. How do you challenge your students at the beginning of the year to give it their all? Oh, man. So there's a bunch of different ways that I do that. Like I I introduce a class contest, you know, where after we go over rules and expectations of the room and the class that I introduce a class contest and that class contest at the end of the quarter or the end of the semester, the kids can win donuts, a little donut party. We watch a movie on a Wednesday because it's a half day and that makes life a whole lot easier. And that, you know, they know, okay, if I if I turn in this assignment, it's a point if I go above and beyond and you know i remember to clean the room that's a point without a reminder you know and all these other things mm-hmm. and then we sit down and then how do i take that and then impart that onto them for other classes um and for me it's all about just building excitement telling them no matter what when you walk through that classroom door when you cross that threshold into the classroom go in with a mindset that says i am ready to learn something new today mm-hmm. because if you can't go in if you go in going oh my god i gotta go listen to this teacher talk about cooking who cares you're not going to learn anything new yep. but if you go in i'm going to learn something new then your brain is listening for that your body is it has a conditioned response to go 
I need to listen for something new. And it really puts that student on point to focus a little bit better, really pay attention to notes that are being handed out or lectures that are being given and kind of pushes them to really succeed in that class because, oh, I need to learn something new today. What did you learn? Right. You know, and so that to me, I think really started lighting a fire under a lot of my students. Just that one phrase, tell yourself I'm going to learn something new. Uh, one of the touching subjects I, I believe in school has always always been is bullying. I see in a lot of your videos, several of your videos, you speak out on bullying. Yes. You get a duet with. Uh, at times, kids can be very hurtful and mean. Uh, help stop bullying. Oh, man. How can I help stop bullying? That's the age-old question. Um, to me, I hate bullies. I was bullied relentlessly as a child. I mean, from kindergarten all the way through my senior year in high school. Um, and so I know how it feels to be put down. And so I look at these young kids now, these young kids who have so much more dramatic things happening in their lives than we did as kids, right? There's so much more happening in this world than what we had to deal with. And so these kids are still learning how to deal with being bullied. So how do I, how do you have, number one, make people aware of it, right? Make people aware of the situations that are happening. Why are people being bullied? What is bullying? What does it look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And then from there, um, just keeping up the conversation, talking about my zero tolerance. You know, you see something, say something. Even if you're not the one getting bullied, come talk to me. Go talk to an admin. Mm-hmm. Um, is there one way that we can stop bullying? No. Unfortunately, you are always going to have those thick-headed children with thick headed parents that allow the behavior to keep happening um but if i can help kids remember that it's few and far between right bullies do not outnumber the bullied and then also at the same time bullies are bullying you because they're insecure about something there's an insecurity in your life that makes you have to lash out at somebody to feel better about yourself gotcha yep and students with that knowledge can actually shut bullies down uh, to the point where the quote unquote class bully actually goes dormant for a while because I'm not getting a reaction. This sucks. And then they get mad and they internalize everything and go sit in a corner. Mm. My mom was a teacher's aide for a number of years growing up. She's had first grade and second grade. I'm in contact with a lot of teacher friends of mine. And uh, do you have any encouraging words for teachers out there who get stretched and pulled in every direction and perhaps their workload has gotten fuller by the day and the classes are fuller and fuller and they're mm-hmm. overwhelmed? Any words of encouragement for a teacher? Man, asking a fourth year teacher to talk to uh, the abundance of teachers who have far more experience than me. That's a good question. Um the sad thing is, I it, it's hard for me to say encouraging words because I know what you're. I know what these teachers are going through. I know what, even what the teachers' aides are going through. It's tough out here right now for teachers. The last three and a half years have been the worst of it, absolutely, because we are starting to see many, many flaws in our educational system be brought to light because of what we had to do with COVID mm-hmm. and the shutdown and remote learning and everything that happens. Um, I tell you it, I, I get pulled every, every which way, right. Especially when I was coaching, 
um, when I was teaching, when I started off teaching special ed, I left after two years because the stress level was so high. And of course, my dream job opened up anyway. Um, with everything going on is to remember at the end of the day, you got into teaching to do something that you loved, hopefully. And I'm going to speak to those people who got into it doing something they loved. Because if you got into it with a passion to help educate the youth of our world, no matter what obstacle is thrown in front of you, there is always a way to overcome it. There's another teacher you can work with. There are admin who actually listen, contrary to popular belief. There are people in the educational system who will sit back and listen to you vent and help you come up with different ways to um, better time management, right? That work-life balance that a lot of teachers feel they don't have anymore. And it's really leveraged those colleagues that you see. Don't resent the colleagues that you see that are that seem more relaxed but still have the passion and drive. Reach out to those people. Stay away from the grouchy ones, the ones that are always complaining. Find the ones who are leaving, you know, half an hour, maybe an hour after the day because, you know, oh, maybe they had a little bit of grading they had to do and they didn't want to take it home. But they're still happy to do their job. Find those teachers because they have found a work-life balance. Right. Those teachers will help you because they don't want to see teachers quit anymore. Do you guys teach from home during COVID at all? How's that? Yeah, know. man. Let me tell you, I got my job in 2020, in January of 2020, freshly graduated, literally just January 7th. I graduated uh, officially. I walked in September. I got lucky. They let me walk early. Um, graduated January 7th, January 9th. I had a job or excuse me. I had a job offer December 27th. Wow. Uh, right. When I was finishing my student teaching January 7th, I graduate January 9th. I get my contract January 11th. I start March hits and I'm online. I'm online for all the rest of that year and three quarters of the next year before we went into hybrid learning. And even then I was still teaching online and I'll never want to do that again. I mean, if I have to, I have to, but it is so strenuous. It adds so much more because our poor children who have just lives at home that we don't seem to grasp at times, they can't turn on their cameras. They can't always be present. They can't always be doing what we need them to do because they've got another life they have to live. Yeah. And that was the stressful part. Like, I'm not getting through to these kids. Why are we even doing this right now? It was it was a stressful, stressful year and a half. And my youngest was a senior uh, during COVID. And, yeah, it's, it was uh, it was tough. And I'm yeah, just, you know, for teachers out there, just yeah, they do an amazing job. What they had to do, deal with, and, uh, yeah, out there still pushing through. Yeah, right. It's it's if if you can make it through COVID teaching, guys, you can make it through anything. <laughs> uh, you have your own podcast. Would you mind sharing about that? Uh, yeah, my own podcast. Uh, it's a co-podcast with a, another fellow TikTok teacher that I met and became very good friends with. Uh, his name's Chad Pettit. He goes by that dot teacher guy on TikTok. Um, he and I actually met <laughs> right when both of our accounts were blowing up and we started talking so it 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 started because he made a video about how he didn't like flare pens and i love flare pens and that's how our friendship 
blossomed because I made a video calling him out for being dumb. And <laughs> it was just so funny. <laughs> and he is such a great soul. He went through a lot of, um, we all struggle mentally as teachers. We all do. And he came up with this idea and he was bouncing it off me a while back about how can we reclaim our passion and our breath as teachers to reclaim our joy in the industry that we got into. Mm -hmm. And then a few weeks later, I want to do a podcast about that. A few weeks later, do you want help with that podcast? Yes. Okay, cool. How do we want to do this? And then we lined it out and we came up, he came up with education reclaimed. Um, that's the name of the podcast. Um, uh, available on YouTube, Apple Music, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, so many different places that you can check it out. But uh, we all know that you know Anchor's a big one, YouTube, uh, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So check it out, Education Reclaimed, um, where each episode is about reclaiming a different part of teaching. Uh, episode one, where I interviewed Chad, it was about reclaiming your breath. Episode, episode two, we interviewed educator Andrea, an amazing teacher off of TikTok, about reclaiming your classroom. Mm -hmm. um, reclaiming your curriculum is the video we just posted and the audio we just posted about me talking about teachers having to fight against the the accusations of indoctrination, mm -hmm. um, which is a huge issue around, especially around history, because of how touchy history can get at times um and every episode has a different reclaim about something and it's all focused on how as we how can we as teachers focus on finding the good through the fog of crap yeah and you know i've told all my teacher friends about it my principal listens to it um and they love it I was really worried. I'm not going to lie. I was really worried about my indoctrination episode. Like if my principal ever heard that and someone actually told her about my podcast before I could and she listened to my episode first. Said, <laughs> I heard you. I just heard your episode. You were very well spoken about that subject. It's clearly it's something that worries you. And I said, as a history teacher, of course it worries me because I don't get to teach history. I get to teach what I am told mm -hmm. is history to then teach to other people. Right. So it's, you know, we're, we're going into this, you know, we really want to turn it into a top three educational podcast. There's some great podcasts out there about education. We want to turn it into one of the top three. That is our long-term goal. Nice. And so we're just having fun doing it. You know, we release an episode every two weeks. So I've got three episodes in the bag right now that we're currently editing. And it's just so much fun. And to talk with somebody who's easy to talk to, like Chad and the guests that we have on, makes it just that much easier for the podcast to really flow seamlessly. Right. Kind of, kind of like we are today, right? This is a really <laughs> good conversation that we're having. No awkward pauses. You know, it's, it's, it's got that same kind of feel to it. Um, I started this. This is probably my sixth month doing podcasting. It oh, was fantastic. I had, and I did, did do the interviews for a while. Just just me reading, which is kind of boring. You know? I added some stuff and, now I add music. I have musicians who allow me to show me music, so I get full song. Oh, nice! It's so it's pretty awesome. I really enjoy it. And you know, I was telling earlier, I, I'm a dad and a grandpa who loves podcasting, who loves talking to people. First of all, yes, everyone has a story. I love your, I love your story about being a teacher, came from, 
And uh, also, you're a big sports fan. I just saw your video today. <laughs> yeah, sports, sports. Yes, <laughs> love, love me some sports. I I've had the your Vinny on a couple of guys from sports radio on. Nice. Uh, I think I listened to the episode with the guy from sports radio. Yeah, uh, Dick Klein, and I had uh, uh, Jackson Feltz, camera guy. Yep. Uh, so Paul Moyer, I had on former Seahawk player. What's your favorite Seahawk memory? A lot of people are going to say, would look at me and go, it's got to be, you know, winning the Super Bowl. It's not. But what is it? That was a great memory, though. Don't get me wrong. Um, It would be a tie between the tip where Richard Sherman tipped the ball away in the end zone to send us to the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. or probably Beastquake, most recent uh, Seahawk knowledge. Um, the Beastquake, where Marshawn Lynch broke nine tackles against the New Orleans Saints, yep. scored a touchdown, and at that time, it was CenturyLink Field, got so loud <laughs> that it actually triggered a seismic event at UW, which is across the water. So it's got some distance. It triggered a seismic event. And to me, that has got to be one of the most, number one, amazing physical plays of all time that I've ever seen. I mean, you look at, you, you can go all the way back to players like Barry Sanders, OJ Simpson, mm-hmm. um, Jim Brown, some of the, some of the great running backs of our past. Yep. Um, they, they, they were good, but never did they have something that extraordinary. <laughs> Um, they hold the whole ground in the air. <laughs> oh, it was nuts! Um, and just watching that on TV, I remember going, "Our neighbors hate us right now," because I'm yelling and screaming at the top of my lungs. I'm like, "How is this even possible?" Um, got a favorite Seattle Mariner memory? 116 games. No, uh, that was a good one, but it was one where I went to a uh, game with my dad. Um, it was Father's Day, and the king. It was back in the kingdom, so um, we Here's hadn't maybe just about a decade and a half or so. <laughs> um, Randy Johnson was still on the team. Jay Buner, Ken Griffey, um, all these greats, and we get there and they're playing Minnesota Twins and Kirby Puckett was one of my favorite players of all time. He was up there with like Frank Thomas and all these bigger guys. I was always a big kid. So all these bigger guys who made it into professional baseball that, you know, I look, looked at huge. (laughs) Right. And Kirby Puckett, I go over to get an autograph from him and he's like, yeah, kid, you got 50 bucks. And I called him a jackass and I threw the baseball at him and I walked away. (laughs) I was nine. Um, But that game where we went seven innings of doing the wave and then the catcher at the time, and Lord bless me, I can never remember his name, but uh, Joey Cora was on third base and Dan Moyer. No, not Moyer. My wife has his jersey in the closet. Oh, uh, Jane, Jane Moyer. No, Jamie Mori was the pitcher. I'm thinking of the catcher. Oh. And that's, and that's going to bug me. But my wife literally has his jersey in our closet right now. That but he lays down a sacrifice bunt and just takes a knee. 
hoping that the run will score. And there's an error, so he's able to get to first, so the run actually counts. But he took a knee. <laughs> and I'm like, why aren't you running? Dan, Dan Carlson. That was his name, Carlson. Lays down the sacrifice bunt. We end up beating the Twins. one nothing in the bottom of the ninth. Great. That, to me, is one of my favorite memories of all time because I was there. I got to watch it. I got to experience it. I got to see the the fireworks inside the kingdom. That was the only time I saw him inside the kingdom. Nice. So to me, that's that's a memory I'll carry with me uh, at, at all times because it was one of the coolest things I think I'd ever seen. And for some of those who are listening, we actually had a basketball team a few years ago, uh, no, <sighs> more than a few. Sonics. Any Sonic memories? So I did Sonic camps growing up. Um, they would hold Sonics camps in like Ellensburg. And I did what five or six of them when I was when I was a kid, and we would go and you know, um, Lenny Wilkins would be there as part of the process because he was still coaching at the time, and we'd have people like you know surprise guests. Detlef Shrimp would show up, um, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, all these all these players would show up, and I have a picture. And I'll have to take a picture and send it to you, but I think it's in my storage unit right now. Um, I got a picture of me and Sean Kemp. I think I was 10 or 11. And then when I started working for Microsoft about 23 or so years later, Sean Kemp came into my store because we were hosting an NBA 2K event. Sean, of course, is still a public figure in Seattle. He owns a restaurant in in Queen Anne and does a lot of stuff that he can. And, so he brought his son to do this tournament, and here's Sean Kemp, and I take a picture with, with Sean, and then I went and put it in a frame. Sean and I back to back together, and he signed it. <laughs> That's awesome. which to me was I was like, all right, Sean, you're a pretty cool dude. <laughs> um, I never got to go to a Sonics game just because growing up trying to get to Seattle was such a drive. It was about a four hour drive, Oof. and um downtown Seattle traffic was horrible then as well. It's worse now. I didn't think it could get any worse than that, but yes, it is. Shocker. Uh, right? Who would have ever <laughs> thought? But my my greatest memory is doing Sonics camps because those were always fun because it was just, there was no pressure. You got to have fun. You got to learn from the greats of the sport. Um, Only Sonic game I went to, it's in the kingdom, actually. It's the weirdest thing i ever seen. So I put the court right by first base. So right. About a half, you know, a third of the audience, the first baseline, maybe the first 12, 15 rolls up. And they made like fake, fake bleachers around that. And the kingdom. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And Mickey Pierce hit a buzzer beater. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember that game quite well. Cause that was the game where, uh, there had been some sort of storm that had damaged Key Arena. And Key Arena had flooded, if I remember correctly, and they needed somewhere to play the Lakers. And L.A. could not turn around fast enough to host at home. So the kingdom said, all right, let's fix this. That was a weird set. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you can if you can Google that, Google that the way that the Sonics Lakers game in the Kingdom looked, you're gonna sit there and go, "What an engineering madness! Who came up with this?" Yeah, like a high, a high school. I don't know, it looked weird. <laughs> it's so weird. 
Uh, as we begin to wrap up, I want to briefly touch base on your adoption process. You and your wife are going through. How's that going with you? Man, um, no one tells you how crazy the adoption process really is until you get into it. <laughs> so my wife and I decided, well, we decided when we first started dating that if we were to ever get married and have kids and we wanted more kids and ended up not having children, uh, we would always adopt because I was adopted and, you know, having that uh, be part of my life, you know, I would always want to kind of pay that karma forward to some other child, mm -hmm. some other family. And um, so we decided, I want to say sometime last year, early last year that we wanted to adopt. And so we took time. I, I did all the, I do all the research. So I'd start looking up different agencies around and eventually we landed on talking with this company out of California and they had a pretty interesting program in the sense that, you know, you pay them an upfront fee, that upfront fee goes to like Google and advertising so that it brings in prospective mothers who type in, I want to give my child up for adoption. Mm -hmm. And all this goes to, maintaining their website, maintaining the portfolios that they create and send out to birth moms, everything that they do to advertise their prospective birth parent or prospective adoptive parents. So I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. And after a while, we talked with the, the intake person, the owner of the company, and we really liked it. And we decided, all right, let's go ahead and do it. So they sent us over a whole bunch of paperwork to start filling out. We start filling that out. Awesome sauce. We're done. We send that back. All right, now it's time for your home study. Here's the person who wants you to contact. Awesome. Contact the home study agent. Um, she sends us all the documentation. And we're like, oh, we have to write a lot about ourselves here. This is going to get interesting, folks. Um, and there was a lot of questions. I think there was nine different attachments sent in that email that we had to fill out. Um both alone and then as a couple as well. And then we finish that, we pass that, and then we have this portfolio, this portfolio that we have to create by answering questions and then putting in pictures. And that has taken us so long because the questions that they are asking are actually, they want you to be pretty in-depth, write, write two paragraphs, write five paragraphs, write eight paragraphs here and explain all of this about you and then attach this many pictures and X, Y, and Z. So that's taken us a while to kind of put together, but we have it all done. Um, we sent the pictures off to be approved because they say, don't use sunglasses, don't use a hat. Well, here's a problem. I'm balding. I wear a hat 99% of the time when I leave this house. Um, so there's a lot of pictures with me in a hat because that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. And we finally heard back from her yesterday. She goes, no, your pictures look great. Um, there's enough without hats or without sunglasses that make it worthwhile for us to make sure that we can get these done for you. That's perfect. Go ahead and write the caption on them um, and then send it in. So we have to send in each section. There's a, out of the nine, 11 sections that were in the portfolio, there's nine that we have to put attach pictures to. And then, so we have to email her nine separate times. So she doesn't, they're not all conglomerated and right. she knows which one goes to which. Right. So I have to make nine different Google Docs, nine different, you know, emails. So we're going to finish that up this weekend. That way we can uh, get that submitted and then just sit back and wait. So it's, it's a long, arduous process. 
And now once we're done with this, we have to sit, you know, and wait for a birth mother to match with us. There's no guarantee that one will. Um, we have a two year contract with this company that within that two years, you know, we're given all this time and um, where we don't have to pay extra. And then hopefully we match within that time frame and then can go from there. And so now it's just a waiting game. Once I once we push submit on that email, those emails this weekend, then we just sit back and wait. And I think that's going to be the hard part for both my wife and I is the the excitement of waiting, which <laughs> sounds completely oxymoronic. Right. But the excitement of waiting. Um, I just want to wish you guys the best. And I appreciate that, man. Yeah, I just I don't know to adopt it all, but I do have friends who are foster parents and who have you know fostered 80 kids. It's insane. So I just want to wish you guys the best. And uh, before we close beard tips too i got a short beard my wife doesn't like one beard, long and bushy beard tips too so you're helping a lot of guys out there keep the beards uh finessed yeah you know uh i love my beard i started growing my beard hmm, the first time about six years ago no longer than that i'd say nine years ago and there have been some incidences where you know i was still learning how to trim it myself and i would shave too much off and then i'm like all right start over or there was the one year where i was coaching against my best friend and he and i made a bet losing coach has to shave their beard at home plate at the game uh, it was a really good game too so no one got blown out it was so close it, we actually went in uh, it should have gone into extra innings but they had just a nice well-placed single at the end that that won it for him and then I haven't touched it since. So uh, that was about five years ago. I keep trimming it back because it does get long and scraggly in some parts. So I do trim it to keep it looking nice. But uh, my wife tells me if I ever shave my beard again, I'm in trouble. <laughs> You'll be at 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. No, she goes, that does not look good. And so, you know, I spend, she laughs, I probably spend more on beard product than she does on her hair product. And my wife got really long hair. Mm. And so it's it's funny, but it's like, there are beards out there that can look glorious, but are the dirtiest, mangiest, most disgusting things. Uh, like they haven't washed it in months. Yeah. Um, I hate those things, man. Yeah, you got it. Like I, I carry a comb with me at work, uh, a wooden comb. I'll comb my beard out at least five, six times a day at work mm. just to make, to keep the tangles out of it, you know, to keep it feeling good, to keep it, you know, from curling back in on itself. Uh, I use beard oil twice a day, beard shampoo, beard conditioner, beard butter. And, you know, it's it's a process. And to the beard sponsorship, man. <laughs> we actually, you know what? We're uh, Education Pod, uh, Education Reclaim is actually sponsored by Live Bearded, which is the product that I use. Dude. And I'm actually working on being an ambassador for them um, to to help get their product out there, which is you know, it's a small group of guys. I think if I remember right, it's seven guys out of Arizona who started this company and they are down to earth. It's a family. Like they say, um, all natural products. They really take care of their own and they are just in it to have fun and get good product out to people who want to continue to grow their beards. And so um, when they spot, when they jumped on, to sponsor our podcast i felt very very blessed because i'm like you guys make a great product and you guys are helping us out so that's pretty cool that's awesome well brett thank you so much for being a teacher and your wife 
and the amount of patience you guys must have on a daily basis. And I appreciate our time today. We finally connected. I just want to continue. You are making an impact in kids' lives, and so is your wife. And just thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Absolutely, Jody. Thank you for having me on, man. Good luck to everything that you guys are doing. Good luck to this podcast. I hope it grows strong. Uh, like I said, I've listened to a couple episodes, and I really dig just the vibe. It's so chill. It's easy. And so thanks for having me on, and thanks for making this a great experience. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime, man. Hopefully uh, the adoption process goes well for you. You Be safe. All right, man. You as well. Thanks again for everything. Go Hawks. Yeah, go Hawks, baby. At what point does quietly talk amongst yourselves mean act like a bunch of uncaged zoo animals who just broke free? Hungry? Craving tacos? If it's Tuesday or not, you gotta have tacos, right? Takiza, tacoshop.com. They're located at the Kitsap Mall. They have tacos, tacos, and more tacos, and chimichangas, and burritos, and taco salads. You get it. They have amazing food, as well as beans, and salsa, and grilled jalapenos, my favorite. Their food's authentic, made fresh. And they're locally owned and operated. They got a Facebook page too. And a food truck with amazing breakfast burritos. That's Takiza Taco Shop. T-A-Q-U-I-Z-A Taco Shop.com. Their phone number is 360-698-4335. Place an order. The address is 10315 Silverdo Way, Silverdo, Washington. That's Takiza Taco Shop.com. T-A-Q-U-I-Z-A. Tacos, tacos, and more tacos are waiting for you. Are you craving donuts? Not those prepackaged, been sitting on the shelf for who knows how long at your local grocery store donuts. No. And Lone Star Donuts, they're made fresh daily. These donuts are not your normal one bite and done donuts. No, sir. These are big, light, fluffy, and delicious donuts. They don't have two or three toppings. They have over 50 toppings. As well as cinnamons, apple fritters, and many other breakfast items. Call ahead and place your order today. Surprise your co-workers or the family with a box of these delicious donuts. Lone Star Donuts. Lone Star Donuts is located at 10876 Maury Place Northwest in Silverdale, Washington. Call and place your order today at 360-204-5021.
time you heard about this on the Chit and Chat Encouraging One Other Podcast. You can't buy happiness, but you can buy donuts. That's the same thing. That's Lone Star Donuts. Need a little bit of humor? (laughs) Here's Ken Davis. I killed a sheep once. I see some of you are just shocked by that. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't sit in my room and go, kill me a sheep. It was an accident. The story I'm about to tell you is true. After this meeting is over, I don't want anyone coming to me and asking me, is that really true? It's true. I was going underneath a fence delivering two buckets of water to the watering area. We had a sheep named Herman. I stepped between two strands of barbed wire, electrified fence, weed burner fence designed to burn weeds off so they couldn't short it out. And as I stretched between those two strands of barbed wire, Herman came running and butted me into that fence. I spilled the water, got tangled in the fence, electricity coursing through my body. I invented slam dancing on the spot. When I got untangled from the fence, I looked up and I could see Herman standing about 50 feet away. And I swear to you, he was smiling. And so I determined that this sheep needed to learn a lesson. The next day I was walking in the barnyard and I saw him walking by the edge of the barn. His little geeky feet going in the same way. He was an old sheep and so he was breathing, his little tongue hanging out. I looked for something to hit him with. I was just going to not, you know, I wasn't going to hurt him real bad. I just wanted to say, don't ever do that again. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't lift the barn. He was closer now. I'd have dropped that barn right on him. I went up to the edge of the barn and hid by the corner. I could hear his little breath coming. He stuck his head out, didn't see me, and then evidently he must have caught me out of the corner of his eye because he froze and I went, boo! And he died. I don't care if you believe it or not. My father didn't believe it. My father said, what happened to Herman? I said, Dad, I went boo, and he died. My dad said, you hit him with something. I said, no, Dad, it was a really big boo. It was a big boo. My dad's 70 years old. The other day we visited him for Christmas a couple of years ago. God has healed our family in marvelous ways. How I love my father. And after Christmas, my father said, come out to the kitchen. We went out to the kitchen. He's about 70. I'm 45 at the time. He said, thank you for coming for Christmas. I love you. I said, I love you too, Dad. And then that man grabbed me by the shoulders and held me at arm's length and said, now what happened to Herman? This is Chit and Chat, the encouraging one other podcast. What's all about encouraging others?